all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hi, welcome to Cars and Carmads, our socialist car podcast. And uh, we're having a little bit of trouble with the recording software here, but we're going to give it a try and see what happens. Uh, my name is Bryant. We've got Connor and Brandon here today. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. So far, uh, you can think of this podcast recording like we've already snapped two bolts and we're going to continue going through with the project. Yeah. So that's where we're at today. <laughs> I'm actually coming at it like I'm really drunk and have already uh, snapped one bolt. <laughs> Almost guaranteeing that more are to follow. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I, uh, as a drunk person, I can't see anything bad happening from here on out. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> I'll be the designated driver then, I guess, for this episode. I'll nope, try and that's keep me. this. Again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um, so I guess we're going to do some, I'm, uh, I'm the drunkest person and the designated driverist person. All right. Shut up, Brandon. I'm trying to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to do a news episode. This one, uh, we've got a few news stories that we've been saving up since last time. And they will be the uh, drunkest news stories you've ever heard. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I guess first we'll do some, uh, some, project car updates and um i think well it would be zach's turn but he's not here uh he did give me permission to share what he's been working on with his car so i guess i'll do that first he uh has been driving his uh wrx with the sti swap and i guess one of the struts is going out and Damn. he's he already ordered coilovers for it, so those oh, are on their way. Nice. What do you get? Uh, I don't remember the brand name or anything, but it's going to be a three-inch lift, I believe. Yeah, he was oh, talking about yeah. doing a lift on it. Yeah. So he's talking about like doing like sort of a rally setup. Fucking sweet. So uh, we'll we'll hear all the the details. Three uh, from inches him. is so much. <laughs> oh my <laughs> it's a good god. Bit. <laughs> it's gonna be like he's turning he's turning his uh sti into a cross track yeah <laughs> Dude, that, no, no i love you saying that because like when i was talking about working on like when i was working on my car all the spring options are a uh, two inches drop and i'm like no i don't want that i still want to be able to get underneath the thing so yeah, yeah like three inches is a lot i get that Wait, you can get under your car without lifting it up no, not really, but like... Okay, I was like, whoa, hold on, that's a whole new world to me. Yeah, I'm not skinny okay, enough Okay, no, that. fair. And, uh, no, I cannot do that, but I can lift it up a little a bit shit. and get underneath it. Yeah. Like, maybe if I was skinnier, I could get underneath it. Then, then I go do, for the drop. I have, like, I have, like, a reasonable amount of ground clearance, but, like, yeah, with, like, just randomly, like, uh, dropping it two inches would not do me any favors, no. But uh, that's all I know about Zach. So, uh, Connor, uh, what have you been working on? 
Um, <clears throat> so I've been working on a little bit, mostly just normal, like maintenance kind of stuff. I, I felt like my diff was chattering a bit more than it usually does, uh, which made me a little bit nervous. Uh, so I decided to change the fluid again. I think it's been 1500 miles or two, 2000 miles or something. So not like loving the cost of changing it again with this expensive specialty fluid, but, um, you know, better safe than sorry. I, I was, I, I had a little bit of, uh, I was a little nervous that I might be like leaking out or something and um, drifting and everything. I was like, ugh, I don't want to play with this, you know, diff getting really low and fluid and heating up too much um, and then causing other problems. So figured, all right, fuck it. I'll change that. Um, and at the same time, I changed, you know, engine oil. And honestly, I've kind of been working on the car like a little at a time because um, I've for the last couple months or month or so or whatever um i've been able to work from home almost exclusively so that's been kind of nice so i've just been able to kind of like lift the car up put it on jack stands and leave it in the garage for a while so i've kind of been just attacking it a little at a time you know after work here and there so i changed the engine oil transmission fluid because uh, my trans was getting really really hot um like concerningly hot <laughs> Okay. Um, well, so like I, you know, it would always get hot when you're drifting. And I think it's like, there's a combination of things. Like my engine is really fucking hot. The underhood temperatures are through the fucking roof. And I think that's just the advanced timing, more power, et cetera, et cetera. And I do think because I put catalytic converters back on the car, which I love, wouldn't change. Uh, I do. Those are right next to the transmission. So I think those are also uh. helping heat. So I, I feel like there's just a number of factors here. When I when I'm drifting on the track, it's getting hot. Like I can feel the heat coming off the uh, trans tunnel, and like my center console, like the plastic is like it hurts to touch it. So yeah, and it's bad enough that like I had this, um, which I'll get into in a minute. This poorly set up uh, hydraulic handbrake that's never worked, um, mostly because of how I had it set up and blah blah blah. But I, it had this metal bracket, and it was just, like, in this place where my leg would rest on it. So if I'm wearing shorts, that metal heats the fuck up and just burns the shit out of my leg. So it, it was causing enough problems where I was like, um, I better be sure and just, like, put some fresh fluid in there at the very least. Because, like, it's getting hot. I want to make sure that it's, like, there's enough fluid in there, and it's all fresh and good. So I changed that. Wait, so it was the, the diff or the trans or both? I did both. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did both. Um, I am going to drain out the uh, clutch fluid. And um, so I'm going to do that as well, because that's been an issue when I've been getting really, really hot. Um, I've been having an issue where if I turn the car off after drifting, the clutch might uh, stick to the floor, which is not great. So I'm pretty sure that fluid's just like getting cooked. Um, so I'm going to replace it with dot 5.1, which has a higher... Uh, boiling point um and i'm i'm gonna change out the uh oem clutch line with a stainless steel one as well like a braided line nice and so i was i was under there like changing out the trans food i'm looking at this thing and i'm like oh this looks real nasty i gotta i didn't get much time to look at it so i gotta cut away some of the like heat shield stuff that's like zip tied to the bolt but um it's looking kind of nasty i might just take it to the shop to have that done it, it's like it's not 
I don't think it's a terribly difficult project unless I fuck something up and then it's a horrible project. <laughs> so yeah. It's one of those I'm like, oh, maybe. Well, the other thing is, honestly, I have to get the car, which is currently in my garage on jack stands, but I have to be in the office on Tuesday. So um, I pretty much have to drop this car and I don't think I'm going to have time to work on it between now and like the next drift event if the tickets ever go on sale. So I may actually just take it to the shop because I'm just not even going to have fucking time to even look if it's feasible to change it or, uh, or not. So uh, so anyway, I- I'm going to suck it up and probably just take it to the shop at some point. Um, but I did do some other things. I, uh, I installed a... Ma- a brake master cylinder brace which okay yeah yeah so I, I you know it's just a little thing that like it's this bracket it goes it attaches to the strut tower and then it um it holds the master cylinder in a place so that it can't like bend or move uh under braking because apparently i don't know they say it moves a bunch and every bit of movement in your braking system is like less firmness that you get out of your brakes so Hoping that'll firm it up a little bit, um, that and whatever. So I did that. And then the other thing I installed, I started last night, which was, uh, I was going to say unwise, but it was fine. Um, I started putting in a new hydraulic handbrake that I got from GK Tech. um, And they have a setup that's just slightly different than what I had before, which was just, I think the problem with what I had before was one, it was a kind of a cheap knockoff whatever universal handle and i had it mounted in such a way that like the lever arm couldn't fully extend and so i just never quite got it working right just because i think i had it mounted slightly wrong um and i just never took the time to fix it or fucking worry about it um so i've put in a new handbrake and hopefully that will lock up the rears real nice at the very least it sits in a much better place because it comes with a bracket that like attaches underneath the trim to the trans tunnel like to the uh, shifter mount Mm -hmm. and then it like pops through underneath the trim and like has this perfect little bracket so it's it'll be a lot more comfortable for me and uh yeah anyway so i've got that like mocked up in the car right now but unfortunately either they didn't send two little pieces or i lost two little pieces but there's these little inserts for the handle that basically make it so the handle doesn't like flop around all crazy, which right now mine is just going to flop around. So I kind of have to solve that issue before I go driving on it um, or, you know, tape it up or some shit, whatever. I don't know. Cause like when, every time you hit the brakes, that handle moves. Um, mm. So, so it's, it's one of those like, all right, it's a, it's a little annoying thing that I have to try and figure out. But yeah, anyway, it's all mocked up. It's all should be good. Um, might need a couple minor adjustments, but uh, yeah, I was able to get that done for the most part last night. So, so I've worked on a few things, um, you know. Cool. I guess it's my turn then. Yep. I uh, I've been sort of working on my MR2, getting stuff ready for when I can work on it. Just a few updates. The uh, trip odometer has completely stopped working. Uh, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've been trying to find a, a like an auto glass place that, you know, can get the windshield for me. Uh, the first 
one I talked to, they they're like, no, we can't get that. The second one, they'll be like, yeah, sure, it'll be three hundred ninety dollars. Uh, so I'm looking around at some other ones to see if I can get it for cheaper. Three ninety doesn't even sound bad to me, dude. Yeah, it's not terrible, but like I think I paid two fifty like ten years ago for the same thing. So yeah, put that in an inflation calculator and see. What yeah. you <laughs> and fun story. Uh, like the week that I got the re- replacement last time, I got a chip in the windshield, so that was fun. Um, but uh, oh no. <laughs> oh and i've been shopping for the uh saturn wheels that i was talking about and i i went to a junkyard and i got two more so i've got three now and then i was just telling zach last week like ah fuck this i'm not i'm just gonna you know buy the the fourth one online you know um so i i did that i went on ebay and i found one for 70 bucks shipped uh and then they sent me a message and said, sorry, we're returning your money because it was bent. So I'm glad they looked at it rather than just shipping me a bent rim. But um, that's something. Yeah. And then uh, yesterday I got an alert from the junkyard saying, hey, we have a, a, a new Saturn in. And I went there and it had the correct wheels. But Great. the lug nuts are rusted solid on there. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I um I took my you know impact gun my little Harbor Freight electric impact and just ran down the battery trying to take <laughs> things off. They they say that Harbor Freight uh, impact is not bad by the way. So <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's okay. Like um, I would say it's about equivalent to like a three foot breaker bar. And that, some, wow, that's, some yeah, muscle. that's no fucking joke, man. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa, three feet. <laughs> yeah. So um, I even found like a like a lug wrench out of the trunk and like tried standing on it and that didn't do it. <laughs> All of these things are equivalent to so many pound feet. I don't even fucking know. <laughs> yeah. So I went back today. um, Cause I had like, you know, you sign up for their rewards program and you get like a free entrance or whatever. And I brought in my, in the bottom of my toolbox, I brought a propane blowtorch and penetrating oil and tried both of those. Oh, and I brought an extra battery for the, the impact. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ran through all of those and none of those worked. Oh, Wait, man. Um, I, I, I gotta say, because I learned this very recently on one of my own cars. Yeah. If, if you're ta- you're talking about lug nuts being seized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hit the wheel with a hammer as many times as you can. I think I'm giving up on it at this point. I don't think I'm gonna go back a third time. I think I'm just gonna pay a hundred bucks on eBay or whatever and get one shipped to me. Fair enough. <laughs> but w- what I'm saying is that, like, a lot of times it's not that the lug is actually seized it's that the wheel uh i don't know like you know how it's like a taper fit between the lug nut and the wheel yeah i know what you're talking about but i think these are legit seized because they're visibly rusty and when i was using the impact just like clouds of rust was flaking Mm -hmm. off yeah i mean if that's the case then like you know go ham on it like I, i respect that just i'm just saying that there is like the case where 
something seems way too seized to be like a reasonable option. And yeah. You, yeah. And sometimes just, hit one of the parts, just hit one of the parts. Cause it might break <laughs> some shit loose. Like, yeah. I mean, I was also trying to keep the wheel intact and not bent, but Oh, well. So also on my Sabaru, I, uh, you know, I borrowed an air compressor and a impact gun from Zach last week or the week before. Uh, and to, to try and get these, um, the nuts off the, or the bolts that hold the cam sprockets to change out the seals. And they're not like the seals aren't leaking or anything. I just thought I'd replace them while I'm in there. But I, I guess those have just had 200,000 miles of heat cycles on them and they are, fucking frozen solid like i tried everything that it says on the internet i bought um extractor um uh, sockets and um i used like a breaker bar i used um you know heat and penetrating oil uh all kinds of shit and they're not moving like i could like if i kept going i could like round them off but i don't think they're gonna move so I think I'm just going to leave those and let it be the problem of whoever buys it from me. <laughs> yeah, it's not much else you can do. And I, I think I might have talked about this last time. I um, stripped out the threads on one of the bolts that holds the uh, the idler pulley for the um, what do you call it for the timing belt. And I was real worried there for a second because I thought I would have to like helicoil where it mounts in there. But I found yeah. out, oh, it's just a bracket that holds this thing on. I can go and buy that bracket for like $37 from the Subaru dealership uh-huh, and yeah. just, you know, put that on there. Um, so I did that yesterday. And then I went to put the um, the bolt back on with the idler. And I'm like, oh, this bolt is stretched. No wonder. So uh, I don't have a bolt that size just lying around. I need to go to the dealership and get one or order one online. Cause I don't think just a hardware store bolt is a good substitute for that. But I don't know if this is true where you guys live, but uh, in Colorado, the dealerships are closed on Sundays. So I'm going to have to yep, go back. That's, that's true in Illinois. I have no idea if that's true near me, but yeah, so I, I'm going to go there, uh, you know, next week sometime, probably tomorrow if I can, do that before work and uh you know see if they'll take back the uh seals also but yeah that's where i'm at um oh i did work on my bicycle last night because i was like i need some project to go right for me (laughs) you need a win yeah so i i i got some uh some lube and i cleaned the chain off and uh you know put some oil in the in the hub transmission and yeah it, it rides pretty nice now there's no or at least there's a lot less sand in the uh, derailleur, so that Good helps. Shit. I do need to. I, I ordered some new tires for that thing because they're kind of old and crusty, and uh, I've got new shifters for the handlebars that I need to put in there. So yeah, that thing. It's a you know, thirty year old bicycle. It needs a few, few things. Yeah, I think that's all my projects right now. Uh, then actually, could I interrupt real quick because there was something. Yeah. Sort of big, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, I happened to come into a really good deal on some parts. Okay. I just couldn't pass up. These were parts that I was going to put on, like, 
next year, maybe the year after. Um, I was like, I don't need that shit, you know, whatever. But then I saw it online on Facebook Marketplace. And I was like, fuck, all right. So I uh, have bought a steering angle kit for the Z. Ooh, cool. Uh, a brand new inbox. Guy just sold his car and didn't need it anymore. So I saved like, I don't know, four or $500 on it. Is I think it cost me like thirteen hundred bucks, but normally it would cost me, you know, quite a bit more. Uh, so it's got upper control arms, lower control arms, and they are like set up in such a way that they like it takes two control arms and turns them into one, and it like makes them connect in a way that you just have a lot more clearance for your wheels. So I think I'll go from about I, I forget what the stock angle is. It's like thirty or thirty five degrees to 60 to 65 degrees wow okay on the on the lead wheel the trailing wheel which is the wheel on the like up on the back side of where you're drifting uh turns a little bit less so that i think that goes to like 55 degrees or something but yeah that whole ackerman business yeah it's that whole thing but uh yeah so i got like a full ass angle kit for a pretty decent deal i went with fdf uh racing I don't know. There's some Canadian company. They got big a couple of years ago or whatever. Um, a lot of people around where I'm at use them. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I bought those. I got a deal. I wasn't going to do that um, until like later because I'm kind of one of the I'm sort of a uh, I don't know. A purist is the right term, but I'm kind of like, ah, I should learn how to do all this stuff with, you know, the more basic setup. Right. I should learn how to do this shit with less steering angle because when you have more steering angle you don't spin out as much and it's kind of i don't want to be the kind of person who's only good at drifting because i bought the fanciest parts there's there's some value in like driving a car that's kind of closer to stock but uh anyway i have some parts that are needing to be replaced anyway i came into this deal and i was like well fuck all right i'll just get it (laughs) so uh I don't know when I'm going to put that on. Um, probably maybe winter, or like spring. So it's ready for next season, but uh, who knows? Yeah. It, it could go on before then. Uh, who's to say? So anyway, okay. I just wanted to throw that out there. I have an angle kit and that's uh, that was like one of the next big things I was going to get. So that's cool. Yeah. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention, I, um, I did take one of the, the um, Saturn wheels and, you know, mock it up on my MR2, like, you know, took the stock wheel off and put the, the Saturn wheel on there and like, just measure the clearances and everything. And, uh, and then I went on the MR2 forums and, you know, asked some people like, what kind of wheels and tires can you fit on these things? And I think I can, I might need like, what is it? 40 aspect ratio tires. So I might need pretty thin tires, but like, uh, it should fit pretty easily um i might be able to get a get away with bigger maybe like 45 or something yeah but uh probably definitely not 55 i think that's going to be too big yeah no i think you're i think you're done with the 55 days yeah but unfortunately like that's like the biggest selection of tires is 55 so i kind of decided to get bigger wheels so that i'd have more selection of tires and then kind of fuck myself so, well, yeah, I guess that depends on how uh, how narrow they are, too. Yeah. So if anyone in Denver area wants to trade 16s for 15s, uh, let me know. <laughs> I might be inclined to do that. Search um, continues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
But uh, Brandon, what have you been working on other than that bottle? <laughs> uh, for anyone not paying attention, that is a reference to the fact that I've been drunk a lot lately. Um, yeah. Man, I don't know. I just take care of my cat. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been working on my bicycle more than my cars. Uh, I worked on the, the carburetor for my cutlass a little bit. And that was that was like an endeavor. It was it was like idling sort of kind of good. And then I decided to like fuck with the idle, which um, it had a ho- it had an Edelbrock carburetor on it. And I decided that it was easier to like, like not even easier. Just I know Holly carburetors better than I know Edelbrock. So I put a Holly on it and I had some problems. I'm waiting on a rebuild kit right now. But uh mostly that that's been that's been running okay. My van's been running okay. My other van has been running okay. My cat has been not running okay. Cat by which I mean literal feline. Like my cat's dying. It's it's been a whole long thing. Um Yeah. 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 That's me. I'm just some drunk guy who's trying to take care of his cat at this point. Yeah, it kind of uh it definitely takes the uh wind out of your sails when uh, you know, a a pet friend family member is not doing well. It does suck. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to like be like firmly like car stuff here and th- there is that um Tuesday or Wednesday, a kit should come in to, like, rebuild my carburetor and help me fucking get my car back on the road, all that. But uh, the reality of my current situation is that my cat's not doing well. And and it has nothing to do with pets. It's, or, I'm sorry, uh, it has nothing to do with uh, anything automotive. I'm just, my cat is, uh, you know, family member. And I've been drunk a lot trying to cope with the fact that I'm losing him and he's he's going to uh you know not be with us for more than maybe two more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm sorry, it's, man. It's tough yeah, to I, No, I didn't even realize how drunk I was until I was like trying to like actually talk about my cat and that's what's up. No, I y'all y'all say what you got to say. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, it, I'm good. It's tough, man. Um, well, uh, do you want to take a quick break and then we'll uh, get to the news here? Yeah, let's Sounds do that. Good. Yeah. All right. Breaking news. That's that's the part of the show we're at. We're at the breaking news part. This is Cars and Comrades with with your car news updates. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it's all good. Uh, anyway, we're we're back <laughs> with the news. <laughs> so, uh, how about that Elon Musk? Eh? What did he do this time? Um, oh God! With this time, he hasn't stopped for six months well that's what i'm saying is like i don't even know what is this story about are we even doing an elon musk story or is this just is, a oh, joke I, we always I mean, do it is, is just a story joke? or are we just referencing him 
But yeah, so the first story I have, this is from a while ago, uh, July 17th. The first Tesla Cybertruck to roll off the line looks like it has a misaligned door. Oh, yeah, I saw that picture. And <laughs> so, I know where this story is going now. Yeah. <laughs> I know where this is going. This is amazing. <laughs> so this is the first uh, Tesla truck to to roll off the assembly line in Texas. Hold on, hold on. So is that the one that like had the like fucked up body line, but also was straight up missing a door in the picture? No, no, it's, I mean, everything, everything is on there. Okay, hold on. So the first one that rolled off the line, they like had the whole, you know, a bunch of the factory workers take a pose and take a picture with it. Yeah. And what they did was like, it looks like it's all there, except they take the picture and like, you see the passenger side, but then you can strangely see through the windshield, you can see a lot more of the workers than you're supposed to because the driver's side door is not there. Okay. (laughs) I just, I didn't notice that the first time around. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I don't know. I don't a hundred percent know what we're talking about, but like, this is the week that like Elon Musk decided that like, what, what was it? Like seven or eight microns was the tolerance for for Tesla for the t- Cybertruck now? To be yeah. fair, it was ten microns. Yeah. So this I, is I showed up to work. We I I work at a place that routinely has to deal with eight to five micron tolerances, and I showed up to work uh, to just a whole like work thread, including the owner of the company making fun of Elon Musk. It was... Yeah. I felt so fucking validated when even the owner of the company was making fun of Elon Musk. And he was like, man, I can't wait to see the fucking $7 million Cybertruck uh, for the for the four times that it's produced every two years, <laughs> he just pulled he just pulled a, a number out of his ass, and he's like, "Yeah, that sounds like a tight tolerance. Let's go with that." And it yeah. is it is a tight tolerance. I will give him credit for that. <laughs> but it is it is an in, impossible to produce on a factory line, like assembly line tolerance? Yeah. Well, especially for large body panels, which are going, which I'm sorry, they're just going to flex and bend and the temperature changes in a metal like that is just going to, whatever tolerance you think you're going to get is. Sure, with that attitude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that attitude of physics. Um, but so just for the reference, for reference, if you're listening to this, you probably actually already know this. Um, Because you've probably already had to look this up because you may have already heard about it. But in case you haven't, uh, 10 microns is about one seventh the width of a human hair, which is 70 microns. So like when you're like, oh, I just need to do a hair more. Think about like, I just need to do a seventh of a hair more. And that's the tolerance this, this idiot is thinking of for the body panels. I, on okay. the cyber truck. Okay, okay, okay. I now work for a place that is making parts that go into space. <laughs> I am so happy about the job that I have right now because we do aerospace components. And that's the kind of engineering that I, I love. And we have uh, tolerances that are like, you know, two to four thousands. And that is nothing compared to the like 
of what eight microns he's asking for. Yeah, that's like <laughs> ten times uh, tighter tolerance. We are sending stuff into space, and it is a looser tolerance than what what he's asking for. Yeah, and like I, so ten microns in inches—that's point zero 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 four inches. Um, <laughs> and um, so I I work in a shop that we deal a lot with sheet metal stuff, including stainless steel. And, you know, the guys there struggle to get things uh, within like 30 thou tolerance. So that's 0. 0.03 inches, not 0. 0.0003 inches. Uh, so like good fucking luck getting <laughs> these body panels in 10 microns. Jesus Christ. I cannot emphasize enough that this would be a six. I'm I'm sorry, not six, seven or eight figure truck. Yeah. <laughs> the only way to make this would be a seven or eight figures. And this is like, so I just like uh, to bring this back to like just like how fucking stupid capitalism is. This is like here's this guy who bought the company came up with this uh here's a stupid truck that it looks like his four-year-old drew or whatever or his kid named x-12 whatever draws a picture of a truck and elon musk is like all right engineers make this shit and they're like sir and he's like no no no, don't tell me no just make it <laughs> and then he's like you know what kind of accuracy we need 10 microns and they're like um okay that's cool i like the mentality not sir, possible do you know what a micron is <laughs> <laughs> But, like, it's amazing that, like, this guy is the boss. He's considered <laughs> by, you know, many in the media doing his, his you know, crafting his image. He's a genius. But it's like, here's a guy just sitting at the top, doesn't do any production, doesn't know any engineering principles whatsoever, can't even look up, like, units before he makes a company-wide email or whatever the fuck. And it's just like, this is who's running the world. Like, this is who's running capitalism. This is who rises to the top. So, like, again, we've said it before. If you're listening to this, you probably already know this. But, again, these people are not smarter than the average working person. In fact, they're often much, much dumber. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... I mean, I'm like, uh, 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 if Brian doesn't want to, like, share any sort of personal information, understood. Uh, personally... I work for a company that routinely does make parts that go into space and our tolerances can be in the like, like 10 to 20 micron range. Um, and it is unheard of for us to make these like simple, uh, unimportant parts in, in the like, you know, eight to 10 micron range. It's, it's, it became yeah. a laughing stock as soon as it was made. Well, I mean, so in this email that he sent to uh, the whole Tesla company, uh, he references um, Legos and soda cans as being very precise. And which, by the way, you should actually read the email as well. If yeah, you can. I'll go ahead and read the whole <laughs> thing here. Uh, it says to everybody due to the nature of Cybertruck which is made of bright metal with mostly straight edges. Any dimensional variation shows up like a sore thumb. Which, by the way, to interrupt real quick, uh, yeah, that's why nobody makes trucks like that. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. the re that's the reason, bud. Or that's one of the reasons. But, like, 
people said this early on when he proposed this and they're like hey that's gonna look really bad if you fuck anything up and he's just discovering this now like oh shit it looks really fucking bad (laughs) (laughs) so i'm sorry continue yeah so uh all parts of excuse me all parts for this vehicle whether internal or from suppliers need to be designed and built for sub 10 micron accuracy that means all part dimensions need to be to the third decimal place in millimeters and tolerances need to be specified in single digit microns if lego and soda cans no i want to be very clear that in in many instances for good performance you need less tolerance than that just for something to perform well yeah yeah um so he he says if lego and soda cans which are very low cost can do this so can we precision predicates (laughs) perfectionism so and i posted about this on hex bear a little while ago like i used to work at a company that made stamping dies for uh, soda cans and those do need to be very precise the actual dies that make the soda cans the soda cans themselves it doesn't really matter that much like it's they're more worried about like the thickness and like how quickly the material is drawn out and how uniform it is like as long as the soda can holds soda and doesn't you know leak or explode or whatever it doesn't really matter but the actual dyes that make them have to be very accurate so that they get the you know the material even there's no tearing no wrinkling that kind of thing and also those machines they have to be like very highly polished uh, so there's not as much friction because they're stamping out like I don't know, a few hundred soda cans per minute and they run them for six months at a time before they uh, do maintenance on them. So they're running constantly for six months. And some of those things, they do have to be 10 microns. Like we, we dealt with those at my old job, but those parts, um, they needed to be rough cut, heat treated, um, finish machined, polished. And then uh, we would, put them in a temperature controlled laboratory, let them acclimate to the right temperature. And then we use like, I think a $30,000 machine to check them. So like none of this is cheap <laughs> or easy. And we're talking about something that's, you know, the, the diameter of a soda can, what, like two and a half, three inches or something. Yeah. So like, you know, scaling that up to the size of a truck, you're going to be <laughs> spending a lot of money. So fucking stupid. <laughs> I, I just, so and it's another point about just how bad media is in the u.s that like this email comes out and not every single newscaster is like this is the dumbest man that's ever lived (laughs) like the fact that you don't see on cnn breaking news elon musk is a fucking idiot that's how you know that like your news is crafted to serve a certain class interest you know (laughs) because otherwise anyone else can see holy christ this man is a moron (laughs) Uh, and yet, I don't know, there's still a lot of blue checks on Twitter who are defending him or whatever. Yeah. We're just jealous. We're just jealous of him. That's I what think at is. this point, there's a lot of people who are no longer defending him. Yeah, I think that's true, too. Well, I think we can move off Elon for a while. I, that was the only thing I had about him. But I did want to skip ahead in the notes a little bit to something that a um, someone on Hexbear told me about um this is 
sort of a follow-up on the the trike episode that we did i don't know however many months ago oh yeah yeah a while ago uh this is the 1936 arrowhead teardrop car and this is just something i thought was neat that i thought i'd share with everyone um this was it's kind of a streamlined three-wheeler kind of like the um buckminster fuller dimaxion car uh very similar construction actually and it was used for uh, advertising uh, the Arrowhead Water Company in California. And it's uh, pretty cool looking. It's got the Arrowhead logo in neon on the side of it. Um, cool. It's just like shaped like a, a drop of water. I don't know. I just think it's neat. Yeah, that's, I, <laughs> that sounds neat. But. Um... All right. Uh, we had a little technical issue there um i was talking about the uh the arrowhead car did you do we have anything else on that or should we move on no i think it's probably time to move on i guess okay yeah, i don't have anything just a cool just a cool ass thing yeah so this i guess i would put in the section of uh stuff that i hope never happens to me or anyone i love uh the headline is uh Poop spill on <laughs> Connecticut highway causes several crashes. I'm sorry. What what I meant to say was I have a lot of things to say to avoid the actual news and anything but a poop spill on the highway. <laughs> yeah. So this was a, uh, a tractor trailer, uh, I guess, you know, that, that cleans out uh, septic tanks or porta potties or whatever on a Connecticut highway. <laughs> No. Uh, spilled human waste onto Interstate 95. Oh, I love it. Enough that cars were spinning out and crashing. How do you explain that to your insurance company? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just ride a bicycle now. I, yeah. I gave up the car life. What What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, that and also a um, a motorcyclist crashed, which that sounds like a really unpleasant experience because yeah god if you just reasonable reasonably put on your brakes and in in a pile of poop yeah so uh a few minor injuries but it sounds like they're in a real shitty situation yeah (laughs) is this a fucking joke to you (laughs) okay hold on in my defense it does say no major injuries have been reported so i can joke about it i have the sense of humor of a 12 year old i'm sorry no, it's... you were right. You were right. <laughs> and they they linked uh, to an article um, from May that a truck spilled sewage uh, on a Colorado highway, uh, but no one was hurt in this uh, scenario. And I think I've driven on this highway. Um, uh, yeah, Interstate 76. Actually, I think I was driving on it today. Uh, so I guess they cleaned up the, the poop. You know, it's, it's rained a few times since then. Yeah, I was going to ask if it smells like poop, but uh, if it was 76, there's a good chance it kind of just always does because it goes by all the uh, cow feedlots, right? No, that's 25. I don't think 76 goes up that far. Um, I thought 76 runs um, east-west, so it would go through the eastern part of the state. It's it's uh, kind of diagonal between like eastern Denver and like Boulder. Um. If oh, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, what am I thinking? Of? I'm thinking of I-74 or something, or I-76 or I, whatever. Well, I-70 goes east through Denver up into the mountain. Or yeah, no, I-70. 
So the yeah. one that goes up through into Nebraska, I forget. It's either 76 or 74. I forget which. It might be 74 then. I don't know. Uh, I, I might also be bad uh, getting this wrong. I might. I, yeah, I, I feel like greatest. I shouldn't know the highways in Denver better than you. <laughs> 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 Something seems wrong there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's about all I have to say about that. I don't know. I don't know. Why Poops filled on the highway. That's newsworthy on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I do have another Colorado story that maybe this is just for me and Zach and maybe we should wait for Zach to be on this. But I just I was curious about this myself. And so I looked it up. The headline is uh, what's up with Colorado's black license plates? Wait, what? Yeah. So like I've noticed in the few last few months, uh, new cars showing up with black license plates with white text on them that say Colorado. And I'm like, what happened to the, the green and white ones with the mountains? Yeah. With the mountains. That's cool. I, I feel like that's better. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the way it is in real life with green mountains and a white sky. Yeah. But, uh, I guess these, it, I think this started in California where they're, they're doing what they call like throwback or retro designs. And so I guess this is what they looked like in 1945 is just this black and white license plate. But I kind of don't like it. I It looks like Iowa plates. And, you know, why why would we want to be like Iowa? Well, now I'm starting to think like, so if there was a, excuse me, <laughs> I'm drinking. Well, keep it in. <laughs> uh, keep it in. Um, I, I'm just thinking like, so if you're like a sovereign citizen type, you could literally just call that a retro license plate and oh, probably get go. away with it. Yeah, it's oh, you know, it's the new retro license plate. Uh, and it says that I am uh, not driving. I'm traveling. And uh, the Constitution says I can travel uh, or whatever the thing is. And just put the little cardboard thing. <laughs> I think yeah. it works. Yeah. Take it with a Sharpie. and <laughs> You're good. It's a re- it's a retro plate. Yeah. From a time before they had plates and we were just allowed to travel on the roads. Right. But uh, yeah, nothing too crazy about that. It's just, you know, the state is like, you know, let's let's make a little bit of extra money with these uh, retro plates. So the next story, uh, I guess I would say this uh, bring, you know, brings to the forefront the uh, the dangers of regulatory capture. Uh, the headline is. EPA approved fuel ingredient with sky high lifetime cancer risk document reveals. Dope. Very cool. Yeah. This is a, I, some kind of synthetic fuel additive that Chevron invented and they're going through with it, even though basically anyone that's exposed to it in any quantity will get cancer in their lifetime. It's just like a sure thing. That seems bad. That, that seems that seems so bad that I, f- I wonder if we're missing something. I hope we're missing something. That can't possibly be. Come on. Yeah, it, it says it's a million times higher than what the agency usually considers acceptable. Oof. Oof. And uh, six times worse than the risk of lung cancer from a lifetime of smoking. <laughs> oh, no. Fortunately, oh, I'm not a smoker. <laughs> I'm not anymore, but, uh, you know, believe me, the damage is probably already done. So this is not going in cars. It's going in boats uh, being made at a refinery in Pascagoula, I think is how you pronounce it, Mississippi. So, 
you know, people are rightly worried that this could uh, spill into waterways because uh, it's in Mississippi, you know, and uh, get into the Gulf and I don't know, kill people, kill fish. I, I mean, I'm worried that this could be added to fuels and go yeah. into the air. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this seems like it's a risk no matter what. And definitely people living near here, which if I were to guess without to looking up this town at all, I would go ahead and guess it's probably kind of a kind of a poor neighborhood. Yeah, if they have a refinery there, it's probably not like, you know, the yeah. wealthiest neighborhood. Yeah, definitely not. So this was an attempt. They're trying to make fuel out of plastic uh, to make it like more carbon neutral and climate friendly. But uh, yeah, it turns out it's uh, hella toxic. But so. yeah, plastic comes from fuel. Like, I feel like something that like plastic is largely a byproduct of the refining process to make diesel and gasoline. So like okay. to make a fuel out of that is kind of just like you're making a fuel out of what's already a byproduct of making fuel. Yeah, that just seems like... really weird. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of different attempts to do this in the past, like, and like people have had some success turning like waste plastic into fuel, but like, I guess there's a reason why it's not more widespread. Yeah, but they're saying like, you know, uh, one out of four people exposed to it over a lifetime could get cancer. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So what is what is the uh, do you happen to know what the supposed benefits of this uh, fuel are like why they're even doing it? I I guess it's just that they have all this plastic that they need to get rid of because, you know, China stopped saying, yeah, we'll recycle your plastic for you. And they're like, let's turn it into fuel. That's something we can do. Hmm. Turns out not the greatest idea. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked into this beyond what's in the article. So uh, I don't know. It's just bad. And, you know, like, you know, this kind of started with, I think, George Bush, maybe if not sooner or earlier, if not earlier. Uh, but like uh, a lot of a lot of oil execs are going into the EPA. It's just kind of that revolving door of, uh, you know, regulatory capture that um, seems to be the norm now. So. Yeah, of course, you know, we leave the regulation to the industry experts who are the people who were originally the ones who needed to be regulated. So, right. Um, of course, yeah, we're, we're familiar with it. If you're not, you know, you're, you're going to learn. Just keep keep living. <laughs> You'll see it. Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess some good news is uh, as of time of recording, the uh, UAW rank and file voted to authorize a strike. So this is at all of the big three auto manufacturers in the U.S. that are unionized. It says they voted almost unanimously to authorize a strike, and they're fighting for uh, increased pay, retirement, pensions, and better benefits. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing in the in some of the uh, bullet points here. One of the things I'm noticing too is they wanted to get rid of. Um, the tiered wage system, which mm -hmm. a lot of unions are trying to get rid of, which is just the thing that I didn't fully, you know, I still don't fully understand, but like, it just seems like it's been a way to undermine solidarity within the unions and to yeah. bring on like new people at like lower wages 
who aren't under the same contract. Um, so this has just been a way to undermine the whole union project as, as far as I can tell. So good to see some unions actually pushing back on that. Yeah. So, um, they're also asking for, uh, inflation adjusted pay, uh, which is something I haven't gotten at my job, uh, increases and guarantees of retirement benefits and uh, more pay time off. So, uh, we talked a little bit previous episodes about the, the president, uh, Sean Fain, who is not the Irish political party, but a pretty cool guy that seems to be on the side of the workers. Maybe, you know, I, maybe there's some criticism of him, but he seems like better than the leadership that was in there before. Yeah, I would, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. Now, just for, just for reference. um, Yeah, this is overwhelming majority. So approximately 97% of the 150,000 UAW members uh, across all three of the um, major three automakers voted in favor of strike authorization. So that's a big, big number. Yeah. So good for them. Definitely glad to see that. And, uh, I, you know, it's also interesting to me that the big three seem to have a, a single contract or multiple contracts that are all pretty much due at the same time time which is an interesting thing because a lot of um and and this is something that i think has kind of been exposed by the writers guild and actors strike uh which as of recording are still on strike uh the thing is that i've noticed with some of these unions is there seems to be no coordination on when these contracts come up so that like you wind up in a situation where the writers and the actors are striking and iatsi members their contract was up last year or something. So like they're being affected by the strike. And I, I don't know why unions maybe don't put more effort into trying to better. Okay. Well, we had another uh, thing where the call <laughs> dropped off. Um, so we're going to give this one more try. and I think we might give up, but uh, um, was there anything else about the, uh, the, possibly pending uaw strike that might already be happening or by the time this episode comes out yeah i think uh, brandon was going to say something about criticism within iatsi and stuff because i was talking about how you know i wish more unions were trying to get their contracts to align to dates that were you know useful for the union so that you don't wind up in a situation where some workers striking puts other workers out of work other union members you know out of work Uh, like the case with the writers, uh, actors, and unfortunately the film crews that don't have any work right now because of the strike, even though they went on strike not that fucking long ago. So that's that sucks. It seems like unions should probably put in a pretty good amount of effort to changing that. But I was happy to see that the UAW, all three of the companies appear to have one contract or a contract, three contracts that are up at the same time. So I don't know. Brandon was going to say something though. Uh, I was just going to say that, like, you know, at, at this point, I've all but abandoned IATSE. Um, I'm still a member, but whatever. Some of my close friends are still in IATSE and are very critical of the role that we've taken in the last few years because it it's not even just that, like, where we're at now. It's it's. It's uh, the rank and file seems to believe that like we could have avoided the whole like 
the, the whole strike uh, from like like the Actors Guild and everyone like the writers and everyone else, if we could have just like negotiated a better contract amongst uh, IATSE when we had the opportunity two years ago. Yeah. And I don't I, I, I came into IATSE right around the time that that was a hot topic of debate. So I, I don't know if that's true or not, but like everyone keeps telling me like, oh, well, you know, this could have been avoided if we had just like fought for what we deserved and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't know, but in general, I'm inclined to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. There's a lot of unions that just don't, aren't competent. Like a lot of uh, leadership aren't competent at negotiating or organizing a strike or any of the stuff that they're, you know, ostensibly hired to do. So uh, it's, it's good to see that at least at the UAW, they seem to be doing what they're they're paid to do but uh, i mean like that's the thing timing is important and so like part of the the contract negotiation i assume part of that negotiation is deciding how long that contract is good for and maybe planning that such that you know that contract isn't coming up at a really inconvenient time for yourself or other unions so I, i don't know i just i feel like unions could get a lot more power if over time might take a few a number of years but if they negotiated those contracts such that they kind of all came due close to the same time you could almost get yourself like a general strike sort of situation by default right um but if leadership isn't interested in maximizing their leverage they might not be concerned with that but again it's kind of a shame to see and uh, according to this, it sounds like the UAW has figured out something that a lot of the other unions have not. So good on them. Yeah. Um, so one group that seems to have not figured things out is uh, Ford, which uh, is trying to train their white collar employees to do uh, work in the, the production line or in the warehouse. And uh, we saw how well that went. Uh, when the uh, John Deere workers went on strike, what was that a year, year and a half ago or something? Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, real disastrous, which by the way, if you're, I mean, like we have a lot, we have listeners who work in all kinds of different places. Some of them work in the automotive industry in various capacities this and that. Um, but this goes for really anybody. If your place of work starts trying to cross train you on you know, other jobs that are taken up by union members, a good, you know, chances are they're probably trying to do it in case there is a strike or something. And that's great. Take up that training, soak it all up. And when the time comes, you were in a real good position for industrial sabotage. Cause like, Hey, you're not, Oh, Hey, I'm not good at this. Oh, is Bryant, uh, did Bryant drop off? Fuck. Did he? Yes, indeed. I had dropped off the call at this moment. Uh, this is about where we decided to call it a day. And uh, we had covered most of the news stories anyways. So we'll have another news episode for you sometime in the future. In the meantime, uh, we'll have a few episodes on do-it-yourself auto repair and uh, one on labor history, although not 
covering the recent events with the UAW necessarily. Um, uh, that's all, all that I'll hint on for now. But if you do want to know more about uh, UAW uh, recent events, me and Brandon were on the live show uh, with uh, Turn Leftist and a bunch of other podcasters. Uh, we also uh, mostly went into depth on the recent uh, war in Palestine. And uh, two of those other podcasters included uh, Jewish comrades uh, Levi and, and Evan. So it's good to hear their perspectives on uh, those issues. And uh, we were also fortunate enough to have uh, Brett from Rev Left Radio on that uh, call. I just wanted to plug his podcast. He's uh, covered the UAW strike uh, recently in uh, in depth, and then also um, some you know republished some of his uh, previous podcasts on uh, Palestine. Another good one to check out would be uh, the Intervention Podcast uh, with, that uh, Levi is on. Uh, they did a series on Palestine and the foundation of uh, the state of Israel, the modern state. So check those out if you want to learn more. Once again, I just want to voice our support and solidarity for the striking UAW workers as they struggle for more fair working conditions. And also, of course, uh, voice our support and solidarity for the people of Palestine as they struggle for freedom. Thanks, and we'll see you later. Bye. Capitalism works if it works at all because it always has socialism to bail it out and, and to subsidize it. Ask any race, any real race. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. In the 1980s, 50 corporations controlled most news media in America. By 1992, that number shrunk to two dozen. And today, only six corporations control 90% of everything Americans see, hear, and read. The money spent on the Iraq war alone, which killed one million people, 5% of Iraq's entire population, and planted the seeds for ISIS to flourish, could have covered all global investments to halt climate change trends.